Good morning and welcome to Willow Park Church as we gather together and worship. You know, it's so important that we maintain this connection in worship through this time. We are so looking forward to a time when, when we can meet again in person. Although I have to say, I have enjoyed the times that we've had in the drive-in. Connecting with people, honking those horns, it's been terrific. And maybe you'd like a change from online and you'd like something different. Well, come and join us at uh, 10.30 or, of course, at 5.30 for the evening gathering of Pursuit. Come and join us, get to see some people, connect, have a different experience. It takes real determination and real commitment to keep consistently engaging in church online. I understand that. I think you know that. And I can't say much how grateful I am that you maintain that commitment. Also how grateful we are that you are willing to keep giving and supporting the ministry of Willow Park Church. I've talked a lot about our youth department and what they've been doing. But again, this week, I was in there seeing the kids, seeing everything that was taking place. It was truly moving. It was beautiful. And I could see that the spirit of God was at work in the lives of the teenagers. And we continually are planning as a team about how we can engage more children, more teenagers, and in fact, the whole body. Uh, I can report to you that Marriage Alpha has been remarkable, the marriage course. It's been remarkable uh, seeing all of those groups, uh, maintaining that connection. What was it? 125 couples. And I think generally speaking, we've held all those couples and added a few extra as well as we've gone along. So we've seen the way that God is moving in our community. We've seen the way that we can keep connecting with people. Of course, uh, this weekend we had uh, the driving film event with the children and that was fun, hilarious. Our, Our kids team are working hard in that way. Just creating connection for the sake of community so that we can all engage in that communion with the Lord and connect with the Lord. So keep praying. You're here on uh, Willow One News, of course, that we will have Willow One Prayer this Monday evening. Can I encourage you to log on and connect in? This is really important. We've got some big things coming up. Number one, of course, we've got Kids Camp happening in person in the building. We really want to cover this with prayer. We really want to pray for all the volunteers. We still need volunteers, by the way. And if you have spare time and you can help do something, uh, please volunteer with the children's department. I need you to engage. I think we need something in the region of 10 volunteers. Will you engage? Will you volunteer? Will you join us as we step in? To this, If you've got that time, contact Tamara, Courtney in the children's department and connect in and volunteer. It's a great way to feel part of the community again. And it's a great way to, to see lots of lovely smiling eyes uh, because probably 
they'll all have masks on. But those lovely, enthusiastic, smiling eyes of our children that they gather and, and, and learn about Jesus, learn about the love of God, learn how to engage with their relationship with the Lord in such a wonderful way. So those are some things that are on my heart. I'm excited about the way that uh, we're at least pushing forward and moving forward. And I thank you this morning for joining us. Can I remind you that you can donate? Go to the donate button or go to the website or drop a check off at the uh, office uh, through Monday through Thursday. There is also a post box for that. Uh, any way that you can keep supporting us and traveling with us and supporting the ministry of Willow Park Church. I know we give unto the Lord and certainly that's why I do. Whether church is open or closed, I give because it's my act of worship. I tithe because I want to say to the Lord, I give my first fruits of my, my labor to you and honor you. And I'm blessed by that. I'm excited to give. I'm excited to sow into the life of a church. I'm excited to believe that that money can transform lives. So this weekend, uh, can I encourage you to consider your giving, consider the gift that you might give and continue to give regularly, sacrificially and generously. That is the New Testament format by which we move forward. The tithe is definitely the floor, not the ceiling. And we want to honour the Lord with that. And it releases so much blessing into our lives. I don't mean that you sow it and you get it back a thousand times and you'll get that Porsche. But what I do mean is that we are, we are richer and we are more blessed in every area of our lives when we bring the most important things to the Lord to sacrifice to the Lord, which was always the ancient way, bringing the sacrifice to the Lord, the first fruits to say, everything we have is a gift from God. All the prosperity we have is a gift from God. Hmm. Well, I didn't expect to talk about that for so long at this moment, to be honest. I, uh, but I'm happy I did, because I want to remind all believers uh, to live generous, giving lives. It's amazing. And on that note, what a great, what a great fundraiser Metro Community had. We promoted it. Many of you gave to it. The whole city gave to it. Uh, they were, last time I asked somebody, it was over fifty-six, fifty-eight thousand dollars they'd raised by their walk for the for those who are homeless and struggling in our city. Well done, Metro. We applaud you and we will keep blessing you and believing down there with Pastor Joel that every, uh, that every part of your community will be blessed as you seek to serve those who are marginalised in Kelowna. Well, I've said enough. As you know, I can keep speaking. I've said enough. And let me pray before Luke leads us in worship. Father, thank you for all that you're doing in our community. Thank you for the way that you are working. 
how good it is to be part of the body of Christ and for us to be able to know that we're part of a universal family that loves Jesus. That if I meet somebody in, uh, from another country and they are Jesus lovers, thank you that we are instantly brother and brother or brother and sister. Thank you, Lord, that when I've traveled through Europe and Africa and I've bumped into believers, that instantly we've talked about the relationship that we have with you, Lord. This encourages us that we are part of a global family and we pray, Lord, we pray that you'll bless our time of worship now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Enjoy the worship. And if you do feel moved, do donate and bring your offering. Bless you. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us as we worship and sing to our God together. I want to encourage you guys that this time is a time where we can express our joy to the Lord for what he's done for us, for what he's done for us on the cross and Jesus, how he saved us from our sins and what he does for us every day, how he provides for us, how he's always in control. He's always holding us together. And so I just encourage you guys, the Psalms say the helpless commit themselves to him. And I feel so encouraged by that. So let's commit ourselves to him now and just lean on him and, and worship him together.
Do whatever you want. 
center of our lives, for us to commit ourselves to you, because we need you. Father, let's not be too proud to think that we can do it on our, on our own, Father, but to recognize that we were made for you. We were made to rely on you. We were made to, to have relationship with you, and that you made a way for that to happen through Jesus on the cross. And so we want to take advantage of what you've done for us in Jesus and, and not just do the right things for the sake of doing them. Father, but do things and pray and take time to read our Bibles to, and worship and sing, but to, to actually be with you in those things, to see you in those things, to seek you out through those things, God. Let's pray for everybody listening that they would be blessed this week. Bless us during the sermon. Bless the speakers. Just open our eyes, Lord, to who you are, to what you've done for us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, Luke. Thanks for leading in such a tender and beautiful way. We're blessed that our young man like Luke is willing to serve the Lord in turn with our church and lead worship with such a, uh, yeah, a real confidence and a real sense of um, adoration to the Lord through the way that he leads us and speaks. I'm, I'm blessed by that. Communion. As you hold the bread, it reminds us of the body of Christ that was broken for us. I love this moment and it is precious. It's a precious moment of absolute remembrance. Christ died for us on the cross and paid the price for the sin. He paid the price for man's chaos. He paid the price so that we may be forgiven. He paid the price to defeat darkness. In the name of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. The body of Christ broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of him. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once dirty in my spiritual rags of brokenness and sinfulness, but I've been clothed anew. I've been, I've been made spotless and blameless because of the blood of Jesus that has cleansed me and made me acceptable to the Father. The blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world. We thank you, Lord, for the cross. We thank you, Lord, for communion, where we remember, where we celebrate, and we give our lives over to you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, and speak to us, I pray. Amen.
Oh, it's so, it's so enriching. It's so wonderful. Our relationship with the Lord and the closeness that we gain with him. I couldn't imagine not living without my belief and my connection with Jesus Christ. I love that and I'm blessed by it. And so, so honoured, so honoured to serve Christ. So as we step in now down at the south, Jeremy will be sharing from Daniel chapter 6. Jordan is taking on Daniel chapter 7. I love our associates. They are so willing to serve and to connect and so uh, enjoy all that's going on with the Willow One News now. And then may the Lord bless you to the proclamation of his word. How exciting. Thank you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here is your family news. Our monthly all-church prayer gathering is happening tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Everyone is welcome to join us online for a special night of prayer. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com slash willow1prayer. Another great opportunity for prayer is our new noon prayer gathering. It happens every weekday, Monday to Friday at 12 o'clock noon. Join our pastors and other leaders online for a half hour of meeting with God and praying for one another. To find out how to connect, visit our website at willowparkchurch.com prayer. We are currently looking for two new elders to join the Willow Park Church board. We are now accepting nominations and would like to invite you to prayerfully consider who you think would be a good fit to join the leadership of our church. To learn more and to nominate someone to be considered for eldership, visit willowparkchurch.com elder. Our midweek youth programs have started up again. Grades 9 to 12 join us on Wednesday nights and grades 6 to 8 join on Thursdays. Learn more and sign up at willowparkchurch.com slash cahoots dash lounge. Kids Camp is happening in person the first week of spring break. That's March 15th to 19th for kids age 4 to grade 5. The camp is almost full, so register today at willowparkchurch.com slash kidscamp. We are also looking for a bunch of volunteers to be small group and station leaders. If you'd like to volunteer, please sign up online as well. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Good morning, Willow Park Church South family. It is good to be with you this morning. For those who don't know, I'm Pastor Jeremy. I'm an associate pastor here at Willow Park Church. I look after our Lake Country campus, uh, and I'm glad to be with you this morning. Uh, you've had, seen a lot of me probably like once a month now that I've become a rhythm on your TV on Sundays. You get to see me, and so I'm glad that we're able to do this, that um, I'm able to come and uh, speak to you guys. And so hopefully, you know, when the pandemic's all over and, and I come to speak at the South here, you'll be like, oh, I've seen you on the TV. You know, it's so good to see you in real life. And so uh, it, it's exciting that we have this opportunity as a, as a big Willow Park Church family to have, you know, associates and such speak on different forums and everything. So it's exciting to be with you this morning. 
A couple of quick announcements before I begin is one is this Friday uh, at the South Campus here is to drop off your kids and go on a date night. And so this is a perfect opportunity for the men. Listen, date night. It's extremely important. Maybe you feel like it's been a long time since we've had a date night. Well, come bring your kids to the, the South Campus here. It's from 6 to 8 uh, that we're doing this. You have to register online. So if you go to our website, you'll be able to register. Uh, obviously, because of limitations on um, kids and everything we can have. And so hurry up, register. You know what? If you're like, we need to get out, hey, it's March. It's Spring is right around the corner. It's exciting. And so take the opportunity to have a date night with your wife uh, and drop your kids off here at the church. Second announcement is uh, we got a dog. It's really not pertaining to anything church news-wise, but just wanted to let everybody know we got a dog. It's pretty exciting. Uh, it's a pretty exciting dog. It's a French tin, some sort of mix of two things, French bulldog, terrier. It's awesome. It loves to play. My kids love it. It does some weird things. It likes to actually like lay under the sheets, and so... It slept in Malachi's bed and like got its paws underneath the sheets and like crawled underneath the sheets with him and slept there. So it woke up this morning. No worries. We still have a dog. Uh, but anyways, we, I'm here to speak about Daniel 6. This is a classic story. You know, if you grew up uh, going to church and in Sunday school, this is you know, probably at one point one of your favorite Bible stories. And as I read this story, there's, there's so many ways we can go through this. There's so many points that we can take from this. You know, Daniel's faithfulness, and we'll touch on that, of course. But in the midst of things coming against Daniel, you know what? He was still faithful to God, and God showed his faithfulness to Daniel. You know, God will vindicate us and protect us. Our enemies will try to come against us, but God, you know, he will not let his, the enemy devour us. Very true, too. And the last one, and I really thought, you know what, this is the way I wanted to go, is, you know what, God shows us that we can have pet lions. And this is what my kids take from it, right? Jude, he wants a pet jaguar, and so he really just wants a dangerous feline pet. And so, uh, you know, through faithfulness to him, through faithfulness to God, God will protect, you know, our wild animal from eating us. And so I'm not going that way. Jude's not getting a wild pet. Uh, but... As I was working through this, as I was like reading through the story and like, where, you know, God, what do you want to say? How are you going to lead? I, I felt the need to talk about prayer. You know, some of you might be thinking, no, didn't Jeremy talk about prayer a bit last time he was here? And yes, you're correct. You know, I spoke on the first half of Daniel chapter 2, and it was how, you know, when we see a problem, we bring it to prayer, and then we praise God. And I highlighted some points about prayer. When I delivered that message last month, in January, we were in the midst of our 21 days of prayer. Hopefully our prayer life, you know, it was heightened at that time, and hopefully, you know, we created a rhythm of prayer in our life. But maybe, just maybe, February has thrown some curveballs, and your prayer life has taken a backseat. You know, maybe it's been harder, you know, as we, as we navigate through the winter months, you know, as the pandemic just feels really long at this time. You know, maybe some doubt has crept in. Maybe some anxiety. Maybe you're feeling the weight of life. Maybe you feel God's abandoned you. Maybe your prayer requests during those 21 days of prayer, maybe they weren't answered and you're feeling a bit shaken. So you haven't prayed as diligently as you did during those 21 days. 
Maybe you're feeling disconnected with God since then, and you know, you're having trouble connecting again. And so what Daniel shows us is that we constantly need to go to Christ in prayer. You know, this is not just Daniel 6. This is like all of Daniel. I feel like, you know, as I've read the first six chapters so far, as we've gone through this series, you know, it, it, it's just been filled with the prayerful life of Daniel. And as I approach this sermon, as we, we gather and as we dive into Daniel chapter 6, and this is what we're going to focus on today. You know, maybe bring that realization to drawing us back deeper into prayer. Maybe taking us back onto that path after those 21 days. You know, because sometimes after we go through something for an extended period of time that's very focused, you know, we can veer off and doesn't actually become what we continue to do. I want us to remind us, this is what we're, ca- we're called to do. This is what we're supposed to do as believers. And so, some of those principles that we engaged with, we want to re-engage with them again. So now let's dive into this scripture. And first, before we do that, I just want to say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, as we navigate Daniel 6 and the lines then, Lord, we want our eyes and our ears to be open to what you want to say to us. Lord, we recognize that you're speaking, Lord, and that we want to hear what you are saying to us. And Lord, we want it to resonate in our hearts, Lord, and from that space, Lord, where it really affects us, Lord, where really, you know, it causes us to look into our lives and to change, Lord, we want to apply, Lord, what we've learned. And so, Father, we pray that your spirit would be with us as we dive into the scripture. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's get a quick little recap before we hit Daniel 6. You know, God, he had told Israel that if you were unfaithful to him, he would send them out of the promised land and into exile. And well, after repeated warnings, Israel would not return to her faithful, well, not return from her unfaithfulness. So God kept his word to them. And in 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar and his armies of the Babylonian rode into Jerusalem killing thousands and taking a bunch more captives of slaves. Daniel, you know, he was likely in his middle school years at this time, and meant he probably saw his parents murdered in front of him. And then he would have been put in a cage and taken off and carted off to Babylon. But, you know, Daniel, he was selected to be a part of a program while he was there, where some of the best and the brightest of all the young men in Babylon, they were able to train as interns in the palace. And this included some of the Israelite ca- captives. So they could you know, brainwash them into the Babylonian ways and use them as leaders for their, of their people. And so through a series of events, right, God blessed Daniel, and Daniel distinguishes himself above all others. First, you know, the king commanded that these guys, that these people, they go on to the Babylonian diet. And Daniel was like, no, I don't want to. Like, you know, I, I see a problem with that. You know, I, I'm committed to my... To Israel, I'm committed to my people and the way that we live. And so Daniel determined in his heart not to defile himself this way. You know, he said, listen, if after 10 days, let me eat this way that I've been eating. And if I, I promise, you know, I'll be healthier and stronger than the others. And he was. You know, Daniel too says that God gave him an incredible amount of wisdom and skill and all the maths and sciences, setting him up at the top of his class and everything. And then God gave him an ability to interpret, you know, a few dreams, which caught people's attention. 
Not only could Daniel tell you what was in the books you studied, he could tell you what was in your head the night before. You know, he was the ancient version of Google. And so up to this point now, we've seen favor upon Daniel. We've seen, you know, God come through in Daniel's life. Nebuchadnezzar, he's now no longer king as we enter Daniel 6. His son, Belshazzar, was killed, has been killed. And now King Darius is ruler as we enter chapter 6. Now let's look at these first 10 verses of Daniel 6. There we go. Got the clicker. Now it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. Really just, you know, stroking the ego of King Darius. Walks in. You're like, what if somebody walked into your house and greeted you like, like that? Well, Jeremy, we, you know, let you live forever. Be like, welcome to my home. You know what? Take whatever you want. The royal administrators, perf- perfects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next be, or, or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when, King, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he'd done before. So Daniel is one of three leaders under Darius and does a great job. You know, he does so well. Darius wants to set him over the kingdom. And, you know, this didn't sit well with the two other two administrators. And they wanted to get Daniel out of office. They're like, we can't have this guy in here. We need to get him out. So the age-old practice of slam ads was about to start. They, these two looked, they, they looked for skeletons in Daniel's closet to put on display. Look, you can't put this guy in charge. Look, look at the things that he's done. But Daniel, he was such a faithful man that those who looked for a flaw in his actions or character, they came up empty. You know, sometimes today, a candidate or nominee for political office is set under this kind of scrutiny. But imagine looking as hard as you can at a public servant. You know, for over 50 years now, Daniel, he's not a young guy. He's not, you know, the teenager that he was when we read about in Daniel, you know, 1 and 2. He's a somebody who is in his 80s right now. 50 years of being in office, and they can find nothing wrong. 
No fraudulent expense accounts, no intern scandals, no questionable business deals, no gifts from lobbyists, no accusations from his staff. The 100th U.S. Congress, you know, it had a list of skeletons. You know, there was 29 arrests for spousal abuse in the 100th Congress, U.S. Congress. There were seven convicted of fraud. There was 19 arrested for writing bad checks. There was 117 bankrupted two or more businesses. 14 arrests on drug charges. Eight arrests on shoplifting charges. 21 with lawsuits against them. 84 charged with driving while intoxicated. But Daniel, he was faithful. My father-in-law, he had this Ford Tempo. And at one point, he had this Ford Tempo longer than his son was alive. It was his faithful vehicle. He, you know, he would get into it. He would drive it wherever. It had made many trips you know, across Canada and into the States, many trips down to California from Saskatchewan and back. It even made it all the way um, yeah, to Utah multiple times. This vehicle had been everywhere. So faithful. It had over 500,000 kilometers on it. Nothing flashy, but faithful, and it was always there. Get in, turn it on, and go. Has anyone heard of the NFL running back named Frank Gore? I'm asking a question. Don't worry. I'm hoping you respond there saying yes. I'm looking around. There's not maybe responses here. But he was not, he's the third all-time leading rusher in the NFL. And a lot of you maybe never heard of him. Most people maybe have heard of the number one all-time leading rusher, Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith, MVP, a Super Bowl champion multiple times, a first-team All-Pro multiple times. We've heard of Emmett Smith. We, we've seen the accolades, flashy. He's all-time leading rusher. Many of you have probably heard the second all-time leading rusher. His name's Walter Payton. Same resume. Multiple, you know what, multiple first-team All-Pros, an MVP, a Super Bowl champion. But Frank Gore, you know, he's maybe had a couple Pro Bowl appearances, All-Star appearances. He goes unnoticed. But he is 38, and he's still playing, and just shows up and produces, and is consistent. He shows up, does his job well. He is consistently out there, faithful to what he's called to do. Daniel has been faithfully serving the Lord for a while now. Though he, the rain, through the reigns of three kings now, not much has changed in Babylon. Kingdoms have come and gone. Rulers they were still idolatrous. Israel was not doing well. But Daniel, he was faithful. And I'm sure, you know, we want the splashiness. When he hears Daniel splashy, but he just wanted to be faithful, Daniel. In response to a faithful God. Daniel was mimicking what he saw in God. Someone who was faithful in his word and his actions. Daniel knew if he was faithful in his dealings and in his prayers, a faithful God was there on the other side. And you know when things would come against him. Now through this faithfulness and honesty, we see jealousy in two other administrators. And they are able to sweet-talk King Darius into creating a law where no one can pray to a god or man except just a King Darius for a certain amount of days. 
You know, and Darius used to come to this flattery. He's like, oh, stop it, stop it. Yes, I am awesome. Thank you. Stop. Yes, tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay, let's keep going. And so this law was made now. Darius made this law, and it could not be changed. It was an established principle in the Medo-Persian Empire that when a king formally signed or instituted a decree, it was so binding that not even the king himself could change it. You know, we're like, why couldn't he change it? He couldn't. This is part of the culture. So the decrees of a Persian king were unchangeable because he was thought to speak for the gods. Who could never be wrong and thus never needed to change their mind. So when he spoke King Darius, it was like he was speaking as God or as a God. And it's like, if he went back to change it, he's like, well, why are you changing it? You're saying, well, you know what the God said was wrong? And so this decree, you know, it was more binding than a pinky swear. It was, you know, more binding, you know, than a spit shake. You ever done the spit shake? You know, you spit in your hand and, and then you shake your friend's hand as he spat in his hand too. You know what? It's taking me back, back to gross nine-year-old Jeremy. Anyways, so whoever broke this law now was cast into the lion's den. And this is where it gets interesting. Verse 10 is when the story gets interesting. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now we see this and we were like, yes, Daniel, my man, the rebel. What we forget, though, is that there is a relationship between Darius and Daniel, a respect between them. Daniel, Darius respects Daniel and cares for Daniel, and likewise. Daniel doesn't pray to show his disrespect for Darius, but his respect for God is higher than that of Darius. And you can feel the tension of a relationship that has been deceived here. And you, you feel the tension as we read this. Let's feel it. Daniel, you know, he does his government job well. You know, Darius wants to appoint him. And you know, Daniel has a history of doing his job well. Like I said, 50 years of this. And we see this respect because when Darius finds out that Daniel has prayed, he isn't upset with Daniel. He's like, oh, Daniel, I'm so upset with you. Why would you do that? Oh, goodness. But Darius is upset with himself. He isn't upset because Daniel has prayed to someone other than himself. He is upset with himself because he knows he has been deceived. And he knows what he has to do now. He knows he could lose a faithful man. There's no anger towards Daniel. Nothing towards Daniel. Just upset with himself. We feel that tension. Daniel not trying to disrespect Darius and Darius having a care for Daniel. But deception came in. Darius was deceived. This law was making. It could not be changed. He could not not do anything now because then it would make him look like, you know, he's not a good king. So he knows what he has to do. And it's killing him inside. But what we see from Daniel's prayer life, what we want to glean from this, is that Daniel's prayer life was disciplined. The decree came and Daniel continued his normal prayer life. He didn't pray more or less. Daniel just continued in his excellent, discipled, or disciplined prayer life. 
we talk about making the balance of being religious, you know, and uh, of being religious in relationship. We talk about this balance of, you know, we don't want to be religious. We want to be relational with Jesus. We might think this is religious, but you know what? This is, you know, he's following a set of rules. He's doing this, you know, three times a day. But in fact, this is Daniel engaging in a relationship. Recognizing his sustenance comes from a communion with God. You know, some of us say, you know what, just naturally I pray when I feel like I need to. That's great. But there's something for a disciplined prayer life that's not religious, but it's very relational. Taking time to be in relationship with Jesus, not religious. The most important discipline we have is meeting with God every day. That's the most important discipline that we can engage in. And you see, nothing, absolutely nothing, was able to keep Daniel from his time of prayer. Not even a death sentence attached to an irrevocable decree. Now, think of the excuses that maybe stop us from a faithful, consistent prayer life. No, we have to get our work done. You know, we need more sleep. You know, or we get too busy. Daniel is faced with death and doesn't get in the way of his prayer life. Consistency isn't boring. Being consistent shows that you are faithful. We need to have a disciplined prayer life. We need to set the time in the morning, a time in the evening. Or We're doing noon prayer now, and so we're doing this to create a rhythm of prayer in life so we can discipline ourselves to have a relationship with Christ. Daniel's disciplined prayer life prepared him for what was coming next. And let's think about it for a minute. It wasn't just that Daniel wasn't afraid of lions or had you know, some super courage that made uh, you know, mere mortals can never attain it. No, Daniel had started this regular practice early in his life that helped him face the impossible situation that was coming his way. To others, prayer might seem insignificant, but to Daniel, it was a discipline that shaped his story, that shaped who he was. You know, we don't know how many years Daniel has been practicing this habit of three times a day. But Daniel stopped and looked to heaven and he worshiped God. He aligned his heart with God. He saw God's will be done in his life. Because of Daniel's consistent and prayerful prayerful focus, he grew as a God follower, as a person, and as a leader. He was able to stand tall because he'd faithfully knelt before the king. When we faithfully kneel before the king, we can stand tall in life. And this small daily discipline of prayer equipped him to face the big, scary test of hungry lions and the peers who were attempting to destroy him. Small disciplines lead to big actions. Starting something small and then faithfully continuing it makes his story so rich that it's been told for thousands of years now, right? A three-day prayer, or a three-times-a-day prayer life led to, you know, an amazing story as he faced hard difficulties. And we talk about it today. Some might say, I pray, like I said, when I need to. This, you know, it's not a prayer life. That is you praying when you feel like you need help. It's you sending it on a lifeline when you are at a breaking point. You know what? I'm glad you go to, you know who to go to when life brings you tough things at that breaking point. 
But that consistent prayer life will maybe help you stand tall as you face hard situations. We need faithful believers, reliable forward tempos that go over 500,000 kilometers. We need the Frank Gores of faith to show up every day and be committed to faith. Consistently there. Disciplined there. Reliably there. Doing what we know we're called to have and do, which is a disciplined prayer life. Now we see also... Daniel's prayer was disciplined. But we see his prayer was characterized by this, by defiance. Defiant prayer. Defiance of what? Of Babylon, Babylon's laws, not obeying God? Yes, but th- there's something more. And I don't want to lose this. I don't want you to hear defiant prayer. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. But there's something more to this. When Daniel prayed, he was defying a situation he didn't want to be in and that he believed God wanted to change. You know, Daniel, he could have prayed out on the street and had a very public prayer meeting and said, let's start the revolution. Everyone who is hearing this defying prayer, you know, at the point, they're like, yes, this is what I'm talking about, the revolution. Where is my pitchfork? But this isn't what I mean by defying prayer. You know Would you have felt like Daniel was a bad boy if Scripture said he prayed quietly to himself in his bathroom for 30 days? You know, having a law that says you cannot pray is hard to enforce when someone can pray quietly. See, I'm praying. I just prayed right there. And how you know, you can pray quietly. It's the words of Daniel's prayer that were defined. It was the words that he prayed that were defined. The words of one of Daniel's prayers that he prayed three times a day are given actually in Daniel 9. Daniel 9, 17 to 19. You know, this Daniel 9 is the, filled with his prayer. But there's this point in his prayer that he would have prayed that is very powerful that we need to hear. Daniel 9, 17 to 19. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. That prayer is a model prayer with so much in it to see. And you know what? This is the prayer that he would have said. You know, because he would go to his window. He would kneel down and he would look to Jerusalem. And as he's saying, this is what he's saying. Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. He's praying for Jerusalem as he would have done for the last some odd years because this was what he was defying. He saw a gap, you know, in between the promises of God for Israel and where Israel was right now. And he would wanted to pray into that. That's defiant prayer. Seeing the gap and praying into the situation. Defying the situation that he is in right now. And what we see in that prayer is this, a spirit of repentance and humility. God is not going to hear you when you are defiant against him. 
There's great hope in God's mercies in that prayer. He says, For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. God doesn't hear prayers that are based on the idea you are worthy, that we are worthy to be heard. He hears prayers that make their hope his great mercy. Righteousness is not rewarded with answered prayer because we cannot demand on God according to our righteousness because we aren't. We are righteous through Christ. But we also see this in that prayer in Daniel 9. An awareness of the promises of God. What Daniel demands there, O Lord, pay attention and act. Your city is a near verbatim quote of God's promise he gave in Deuteronomy 30. That if Israel went into exile, when they repented, God would restore them to Israel. So you see what Daniel's doing? He's holding up God's word to God. And this is it. Effective prayer begins when you perceive the gap between where a situation is and where God wants it to be. See, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we see a gap between his will and his kingdom in our situation right now, and we prayed into existence. In a prayer, we perceive the will of God for a situation and defy the situation that currently is and pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? We know that where we're living in right now, we see that, you know, God, we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray into the situation, defying the situation that we are in right now, recognizing that there's a gap. This is defiant prayer. Daniel was like, I need to pray to my God because of course I love, and I love him, but I am praying for Jerusalem. I am praying for repentance. I'm defying the situation that I, I see Jerusalem in right now, in exile, and I will pray it to my God. Have you heard of the story of John Patton? He was a young Scottish pastor in the 19th century, and he was leading you know, a very successful church in Scotland. He grew increasingly burdened, though, by a group of islands he heard about in the Pacific that was inhabited by people who have never heard the gospel. And you know, he would pray for these islands. But you know what happens? Sometimes when you're praying them to come to Jesus, someone to come to Jesus, you actually have a big role in that. And so he would pray that they would come to know Jesus. The problem was that these islands, the New Hebrides, was filled with cannibals who had a history of eating any foreigner who came on shore. And no Westerner knew their language. And so how do you exactly do you start a church in a place like that? Like, you're not going to have a potluck. And if you are going to have a potluck, you know, you're not eating anything in that potluck. But Patton knew that God was not willing that any would perish. So he resigned from his church, and he was determined to go. And like I said, a lot of the times, we are the answer to our defying prayers. We have a role in helping family members come to Christ. We have a role in spreading the gospel and such. We have a role, you know, to seeing, you know, the poor come to know Jesus and, and the poor being helped. We have that role. And so many try to discourage John from going. 
And in one of my favorite episodes from his life, one of the craziest episodes, was Patton recounts this. He says, I was besieged with the strongest opposition on all sides. One of my seminary professors told me that I was leaving certainty for uncertainty. I was leaving work in which God had made me greatly useful, only to throw my life away for the cannibals. One dear old Christian deacon said to me, Son, the cannibals, you will be eaten by cannibals. Is a very honest statement. The cannibals, you're going to be eaten by cannibals. And he replied, Patton, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in your years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave. You will die, is what he's saying. And there you will be eaten by worms. If I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrected body will rise as fair as well as yours in the glorious likeness of our Redeemer Jesus. Patton, he said the opposition was so strong from nearly all that he was driven really to seek God in prayer. But again, every doubt would vanish when he said, I clearly saw that these poor men and women created in God's image, they were perishing without even the chance of knowing all God's love and mercy. And so Patton's lifelong ministry there was both brutal and exhilarating. His wife, whom he had dearly loved, she had died bearing their first child. And for three nights he had to sleep on the grave to make sure the cannibals weren't going to dig up and try to eat her body. He was under constant siege day and night, always on the lookout for his life, but eventually saw breakthrough. In one of his stories from the biography, one of the chiefs who came to Christ asked him, one of the chiefs asked Patton this, when you first got here, who was that army that guarded your hut each night? Apparently, the angels of God surrounded his family each night to preserve the gospel witness. And when Patton left that island, or when he When he arrived on that island in 1858, there was not a single Christian. When he died 35 years later on that same island, he said he didn't know a single islander who did not know Christ. So where do you perceive the gap? In your marriage, in your kid's life, in your job, in your ministry situation, in your personal life, in your finances? Where do you see the gap? And are you willing to defy the situation and pray into it? Continue to pray into it. Will you claim the promises of God and ask him to change the situation? You know, after our 21 days of prayer, maybe there was, you know what, a prayer that wasn't answered. Well, are you going to defy that situation and continue to pray into it? You know what, because yes, we focus for 21 days. And you know what, we talk about when Daniel in 21 days, you know, his prayer was answered. But he prayed long, 50-something years defying the situation, seeing the gap, and saying, I will continue to pray into this until there's an answer. Daniel knew that praying was the defying act. Praying was the defying act because of the situation that Jerusalem was in. He needed to God to deliver Israel, and only praying to God was going to do that. The last we see is that Daniel's prayer is characterized by endurance. And so this is our last point. We see defiant. We see disciplined. And we see endurance. And there's two quick observations about, from Daniel's life. Daniel was willing to be thrown into the lion's den before he'd stop praying. He was willing to be thrown into the lion's den. You see, not praying 
was a worse prospect to Daniel than being, in, than being eaten by lions. And that is a radical commitment to prayer. Not praying was a worse prospect to Daniel than being eaten by lions. Just think of it. Can you say to, with Daniel, you have to take my life before you take my prayer? Can you say that? Take my life before you can take my prayer. So how valuable is prayer to you? Daniel was willing to lose his life over it. How much do you prioritize it? And the biggest game changer to your life for our church, for Kelowna, will be a daily praying believer of Christ. The old president of our Bible school that I worked at, he was dedicated to prayer. He would wake up in the bitter cold of Saskatchewan, even in the middle of winter at like 5 o'clock, and he would go walking around the town with his bright vest on, praying. Then he would do it again after he got home from work. He'd go for a walk around town, and he would pray. Committed to it, no matter how cold it was. Minus 40, minus 50, didn't matter. Daniel was willing to persist in prayer until God answered. As you endure with Christ, your trust in him grows. Daniel prayed for the dream to be revealed to him, and it was. Daniel prayed faithfully to God, and his faithfulness to God was rewarded as God shut the mouths of the lion. And Daniel chapter 10 will come to a section where Daniel prays for 21 days, and his request is answered. He is met by this angel on the 21st day, and the angel describes the spiritual battle that took place for 20 days, that he had the help of another angel, and then he was finally able to show up on the 21st day. And Daniel, he just kept enduring in prayer for 21 days. What what if he would have stopped at day 20? I don't know. We can only speculate. But the picture is clear. Keep praying. If you've been enduring in prayer for a loved one for 300 days, for two years, for three years, keep pushing on to that next day. The return from exile, you know, it did not happen for some 70 years. Daniel prayed for 60 years at one point before prayer was answered. 20 days before, 21 days before prayer was answered. How long will we pray? The history of Daniel is this enduring prayer. The Bible only talks about endurance in our prayers. Daniel 6 speaks of knocking, seeking, and asking. And we can take this interpretation to mean that God will answer every one of our prayers as, you know, we come to him because it says, you know, as we knock, he will be there. And as we seek, you know, he is there and he'll answer But what I've been gleaning from that scripture in Matthew 6 is that there's an endurance to these acts. We are to keep knocking, seeking, asking. These are constant actions. We think of a kid knocking on the door, you know, and as the Bible describes us as children, and we see our children, when they knock on the door, they knock till there's an answer, and there's persistency and endurance, and they're knocking. And the beauty of this enduring prayer is that We keep coming to God, and our request begins to be refined and shaped. Now, the story, this story ends, as we all know. Daniel being spared in the lion's den. King Darius, you know, he's been up all night worrying. And Daniel enemies has been up all night partying. And Daniel, he appears the only one to be getting a good night's sleep, cuddling with the lions. And so where we are able to stand strong in prayer we are able to stand strong in life. You feel weak through the situation you are navigating now. You feel like the lions are biting you. You feel like they're hurting you. You feel like they're causing you pain. You feel like you've been scratched. 
Maybe you ask yourself, how's my prayer time? Or, I need to engage in prayer. Because as we stand strong in prayer, we can stand strong in life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can come to you at each and every moment of the day. Lord, that we can have this prayer life where we can draw close to you, Jesus, and that you are preparing us in this prayer time for what you have for us in the future. Lord, we need to discipline ourselves to have a regular time with you. Lord, our prayers need to defy the situations that we see ourselves in now, that we see where we want to be or where you promised that we would be. And we want to continue to pray into that, knowing that you are promising us good things, Lord. And we need to endure. But we don't know how long, 21 days, maybe 60 years. But Lord, we will keep knocking, we will keep asking, and we will keep seeking. Because as we continue to draw close to you, you strengthen us, Lord. So let us have a powerful prayer life that will change our lives and those that we know. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this Sunday morning. Go about having a great day.